Before we get started on today's show, you know, talking about erectile dysfunction is not easy, and usually we just try to brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, working from home, but I had a long day at work, and I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it is simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The whole process is straightforward. It's simple and discreet. Again, getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash glue and complete a free online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle. But now there's Roman to complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash glue and you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash glue. GetRoman.com slash glue. On today's episode of The Glue Guys... Part two of our two-part Levert line podcast. Wow. We don't know what the Levert line is. They're basically just trying to determine Karis Levert's trade value for the Nets. And the discovery may be, it's kind of tough to find the right trade. Well, that juicy gum in your mouth making it tough. You got like a mouthful of bubblicious. <laughs> Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuysNetsDaily.com. The Athletic. Get yourself into The Athletic <laughs> for just a buck a month. Just a dollar a month. TheAthletic.com yeah. slash Glue Guys. Brian, this is the intro to our two-part well, Levert Line podcast. Yeah, we already finished it, you know, but we're doing the intro in reverse order. So it's all it's crazy. This is production. It's production. Podcast production. 101. So this is part two. In part one, we talked. So I should explain it if you're just new to the Levert line. Okay. Because this is a revolutionary concept. What it is, is Brian and I going through the list of players who are maybe kind of sort of available in the trade market. And we're determining whether you would give up Karis Levert for that player if you're the Brooklyn Nets. And in part one, we went through names like Kevin Love, Drew Holiday, Carlton Towns. So some of the people on the list aren't that available. Zach Levine, Rudy Gobert, Aaron Gordon, CJ McCollum, and Victor Oladipo. In this episode, we will start off with Victor Oladipo's teammate, Demonis Sabonis. A guy who always seems to dominate the Nets. He is a beast. And let me just say this before you say yes or no. This is what Sabonis' stat line this season. And this is without mostly without Oladipo. 18.5 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists per game. Not a three-point shooter, but 72% from the line, 54% from the field. Pretty efficient offensive player, besides he doesn't shoot threes. Demonis Sabonis would have to play center. You wouldn't put him at power forward with, with DeAndre Jordan and then with KD at the three. That's a little Sixers beefiness. Where are you with Demonis Sabonis? Oh, his contract, four years at $18.5 million a year. That's that's a good contract. 
Um, I am high on Sabonis. Mm. High off my ass on Sabonis. I am crazy about the guy. You're you're huffing. I'm huffing. I've got a sock full of Sabonis, and I am huffing it. Um, yeah. So it is. Uh, so a lot of the people that I've heard talking about, like. This is a meme in Nets Twitter where they'll be like, oh, yeah, just like pick up Serge Ibaka. You know, just like, oh, just grab Serge Ibaka for, for like the mid-level exception or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, Serge Ibaka will pay to play in Brooklyn. Yeah. He, he will pay Josiah money just right. so he can be on the roster. And and that's not going to happen. He's good. That guy's going to get paid a lot of money. And um, so, yeah, so that's like not there. But what I think is interesting is just how much uh, Sabonis kind of reminds me of a younger Ibaka and before he was shooting threes effectively, um, a lot of similarities there. And also like, I have a, a huge bias just because I've watched Sabonis tear our butts up time and time again. And he just seems like such a fun player to watch. Like he just gets so, he gets so angry. You know, he's got that, like that pink rage that he, he turns, <laughs> which <laughs> the what rage pink, you know, he just like, he just like turns oh, pink and he gets pink all, skin. Yeah. All yeah. Angry. He, it's a little, uh, Majin Buu. It is Majin Buu esque. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and anyway, so, but like the guy is 23 years old and he's putting up some big numbers and he's putting up big numbers in the playmaking interesting spots. Like for me, just as at a glance, a betting man, I think he's, he is ascendant on his way to being super ascendant potentially. Um, and one of the few players that are in the maybe yes territory for me and trending more towards yes, uh, depending on what the package would be. But I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, for basketball reasons as well, it answers more questions than it raises. Although he's just like seen as an average defender. Everyone's super eager to have us be like, have some elite defender at every position or something like this. I don't know. I, you know, whatever defense you figure it out. That's my opinion. I know this is an unpopular opinion, but you just figure it out. It happens. <laughs> you know, if you have a good team, they figure it out. Yeah. I, the defensive component is the thing. It's like, because so this is another one of those trades where you'd have to tell DeAndre Jordan, he's going to be a bench player right now. Sabonis has operated on the floor with a traditional center in Miles Turner. So you could actually play Sabonis and DeAndre together, though Turner does float around the three-point line, where DeAndre floats around the free-throw line, which is the place where Sabonis likes to operate. The fun part of this is thinking about the offense that uh, gifted ball handler like all-time in Kyrie combined with the greatest scorer of all time and Kevin Durant combined with Sabonis, who he is operating on a different part of the floor than a lot of great scorers. Like he's a post player, but really he kind of is in that Jokic position where he can, he can like look over the defense. He can make a pass and he can also just barrel you down to the hole and score you buckets. And I think it would almost be impossible to defend if you have Kyrie running a pick and roll with KD where Katie's like popping out in many different directions. Joe Harris is in the corner and Sabonis is like in the dunker spot, just chilling and waiting for the ball. And then when he receives the pass, he's probably going to get his guy switching onto KD or switching onto Kyrie. He's going to get a pass from a defender that's coming off, coming on to him. And then Sabonis has the passing acumen. I mean, his father is one of the greatest passing big men of all time. He has the passing acumen to then get it out to Joe Harris or get it out to Kyrie, who's already been floating around to the three point, like the offense that you can create with him because he's so unique is exciting. Um, it's tough. So, yeah, God. it's tough. Uh, you're going to do it. Do we say yes or no? Do we say yes? I, maybe no. So I'm going to say like, if it was just a literal straight up deal, I would do it. And I know that that's, that's 
that's heartbreaking to hear. But look, the way that I'm thinking about it is like if if Sabonis was like put him on Minnesota in in 2010 by himself, he's averaging 20 and 15 easy like Kevin Love did at that same age. Like easy. That's no question in my mind. And I think like, you know, you have the ability to maybe get in under under the radar for like one of those like truly great power forward center type dudes before it before kind of like it happens for him where he's now like being traded and, and valued at that level i think it's possible and the thing is his contract again four years 18 and a half million so what you're doing is you're guaranteeing this player on your team even past cares levert's current contract if he was a max deal guy or a guy almost going to be approaching him you wouldn't want him you know you you wouldn't want to do that but 18 and a half for uh you know a 20 point score 12 rebound five assists i bring up five assists it's a thing like i think assist if you're a big man you can do it that that shows that they can fit into a lot of different not offenses. only can you do it he's doing it at age 23 that's really i mean like it doesn't happen for people that's that fast and the ripple effect of this trade is that if you do get some bonus you trade Jared Allen because you're not trading down to Jordan and you wouldn't want Jared Allen down to Jordan and Sabonis all in the roster. So then maybe you flip Jared Allen for wing defender, bro, three point shooter, bro, right. Who fits into that position. I say, this is so tough. This is, this is <laughs> like ever. put on the, the who wants to be a millionaire music mm. right now. Okay. I say straight up. It's a yes to me, to me. It's a, it's a yes. I think I may have I convinced. Think, I may have talked you into that, Mike. I think it's possible. I think people are going to hate that we're saying. There, it's possible that they really do. But I, I and I want to say, like you know, I challenge you to start a podcast, do your Levert line, look at the numbers, <laughs> and see if you don't come to the same conclusion that we did. I mean, it's it's hard it's hard to deny that Sabonis has trended up upwards in a very real way and i'm not that's again not to say that i don't think harris levert can do that same thing but there's a big log jam in his way for doing this right now people we have to come to we have to see that you know we have to embrace that or is there somebody in your bushes mike no there's a helicopter i live in the dc area now and often military helicopters will just fly overhead it's a little uh, did you just get swatted yeah yeah um I say Sabonis. Sabonis is the softest yes I could give. Yes. But to me, it is a yes. Yes. It's a yes. Yes. Um, Bradley Beal. I'm not going to do a preamble for Bradley no. Beal. I think Bradley Beal's a yes. He's two years plus of a max and then a, th- a player option. Um, everyone wants Bradley Beal. He didn't make the All-NBA team, but he's 30 points per game, six assists, four rebounds. He carried a horrible Wizards team to the bubble and then left him in the bubble and said, I'm not going to go to the bubble. <laughs> um, he's only a year older than Karis LeVert. So it's not like it's, you're really continuing on and valuing youth in that way. It's a yes, but Bradley Beal's not going anywhere for at least a year. So that's it. And we've talked so much about this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the next player up, this is a surprise inclusion. I wanted to put this in here because there's a little smoke that this guy mm, could be traded in some way. Draymond green. Hmm. He has a three year, three years left on a deal plus a player option, $25 million per year. Uh, Draymond last year was one of the only Warriors that actually played basketball. Eight points per game, six rebounds, and six assists. Everyone would hate him. Um, he would have to play center basically in the crunch time with KD. Do is he where do you put Draymond? Like, where, <laughs> like how do you assess Draymond? Green? It's funny because, like, in a vacuum, you know, you say you put those two players together, and I think most like you know, NBA fans will be like, oh yeah, you 100% trade Karis Levert for 
Draymond Green. But us as Nets fans, I I weirdly don't think you do do this um, for like not reasons that are just limited to the fact that there's like all kinds of weird um, ex relationship stuff going on between him and Kevin Durant, which like they're very careful to be like it's resolved, but like you can kind of tell just in how forcefully they have to say that that it's that there's like weird <laughs> tension that will always be there or something. Um, but you know, because it is, it's so like what, what we're saying is like this is. By the a, way, it's fitting that a dog is just know, barking in the background under the Draymond Green conversation because mine. That's very Draymond Green. It's just to be barking. Can I say something about dog owners? Like they don't act, you dare. <laughs> they, they they act like this is just fine. Like they just <laughs> this is just my <laughs> dog. Just shitting and pissing on the food. <laughs> this is what I liked about the movie so Buster cool. Scruggs. Did you ever watch the Ballad of Buster Scruggs? I watched parts of it. Let's not. Okay, derail too much. It's it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Coen Brothers love is a little. Uh, Bill Jabiri, I think that's a yeah. he who was a great writer for New York Magazine, covers movies, follows us. I'll say this right to his ears if he's listening right now. Coen Brothers love a little too much. They're basically the Zack Snyder of oh. moody noirs. They do the same thing. Yeah. Every actually, I love Coen Brother movies. I don't know what I'm saying that, but do you hear this? So the the girl who was singing is yelling at the dog now. This is just <laughs> great triangulation. This is like a sad Sesame Street episode. Right the, now. the reason that I bring Buster Scruggs up is because one of the stories, like they have a dog that's barking while they're like on this, you know, their Pioneer wagon trail or like the Oregon Trail or whatever, and um, they're like, yeah, it's, so it's barking, and they're like, yep, sorry about that, and they're like. No, we're going to kill the dog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they have to kill the dog. And they do. Uh, or they try to. Anyways, um, not to say that I want to kill this dog. I just want to make that clear. You know, um, What the hell was I talking about before all this Draymond happened? Draymond Green. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Doesn't it, fit on this scene. In a vacuum. Relationships. Right. In a vacuum, I think like that sounds crazy because Karis LeVert is not of the same kind of basketball status, you know, in everyone's kind of understanding of the you know, elitist basketball of the last five years, Draymond Green was like super a part of a an amazing will go down in history kind of team. And we're like, yeah, I wouldn't trade Karis LeVert for him. That seems a little um, like delusional or something maybe, but I wouldn't not, not straight up. I gotta say, I wouldn't do it. I just don't think that uh, I want all the, the baggage that comes from that. I, I acknowledge that he is a defensive genius of a very rare type and a super unique player that would probably probably help us maybe in the short term but um and we do need a little bit of like nastiness that he that he brings well now i'm talking myself into it here all right do it let's do it yeah let's do it let's sign up do it no <laughs> i i agree with i think it's the, the personal relationships is just you cannot get over now why kevin duran and draymond were feuding at least we were led to believe is because kd had a foot out the door and draymond couldn't handle that so if you trade for draymond that issue doesn't exist because they're both on in at home together in Brooklyn, right? Like neither of them are looking to go somewhere else. Now maybe Kevin Durant after the season will want to go to another team. That would be fun if that happened. But Draymond is extremely intriguing. It's another thing is we're like if DeAndre Jordan wasn't on this team, then you could, you know, convince yourself that this could work. But I don't think you give up Karis LeVert for Drake. It's just a weird. That's too weird of a trade. Can I say something about like the the relationship thing that I think might resonate? Do you mind? Yes. So I think that like a big part of the issue there. This is me just like putting on my my Freud cap. My Carl my Carl Jung is the power dynamics that <laughs> Draymond Green felt he had uh, some level of authority over 
Kevin Durant because they had won without him and then they added this piece. You know, quickly became a, a, a cudgel that he could wield whenever things were getting mm-hmm. toxic. Now it's the inverse, right? We have Kevin Durant's team and Draymond Green would be the addition, but it's not really Kevin Durant's team yet because he hasn't played a game for this team yet. So it would put them in even footing in a way that I think would drive Kevin Durant insane. Like if he, if, if, Midseason, we're doing well and we want to trade for Draymond Green or something. And there's like a, he comes to him with hat in hand, you know, sort of scenario. This is just my, this is me putting on my Steve Nash, like managing egos type, type. This is high EQ stuff, Mike. So, so, yeah. um, so get the notepad. Uh, <laughs> this is what, this is what he, <laughs> you got it. Uh, this is what he would have to do, I think, because there would be some level of fealty needed in order for that relationship to really coexist again. Yeah. And there's no way Draymond Green. No. Nope. Hat will not be in hand. No. Certainly His not. cudgel. Will <laughs> yeah, he's bringing the cudgel. He's like the, um, you know, gangs in New York, like the 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 mayor who just like has the shillelagh that he hits people with. <laughs> <laughs> he brings the shillelagh to the, to the election. Do you think gangs in New York is like an accurate depiction of just like, <laughs> not that, like, I'm sure there were, I know yeah. that they were feuding, you know, Protestants and Catholics and, sure. but like. Was was that actually how life was like? Like, did yeah. everyone live in like the, the forty thieves, the tin buggers, <laughs> the the dead rabbits? That, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> like when they're all lining up with their clubs. Like, but it always felt like that set, like the movie set, was like a Disney World yeah. set. Like it felt very constructed because it was right, and people were literally living in holes and coming out of holes and yeah. clawing people's faces. It, the one, well, you're you're what you're talking about is specifically the one woman whose like weapon is just like long metal nails, <laughs> <laughs> who like shrieks at people, just like a banshee. This who is where it gets. Existed. I imagine because that, that was yeah. that, that was serious. Um, <laughs> let's do this. Let's take a quick break, oh, wow. and then we'll be back with. This more. might be a two parter. Wow. Week two of football is almost in the books. We have Monday Night Football tonight, and now it is time to review the tape and get ready for week three. And there's no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. And to add to the excitement of week three, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their cannot-miss offer. If you have not tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you do not want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. That's right. Just place a $1 bet on any team, and if that team wins, you could win a cool Benjamin Franklin. DraftKings is what's great about it. It is safe. It is reliable. It is secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. And here's the promo code, QUICK. QUICK is the word. That is the promo code. And you get the $100 bet offer. That's bet $1. And if they the team wins, you get $100. Use code QUICK when you sign up at DraftKings Sportsbook. It must be 21 or older. New Jersey only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This name is someone who has now been linked to the New York Knicks consistently from the moment the Knicks hired Leon Rose. He heroically led his team, the team that he was traded to this past offseason, into the playoffs, into a very competitive playoff run uh, with his team. He is one of the greatest point guards of all time. His name is Chris Paul. Chris Paul has one year left, plus another player option after that. His salary for this upcoming season is 41 million dollars his salary after that season the player option which i'm sure he will pick up joke 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 
is $44 million. Chris Paul is an exquisite leader, though he can be grading, we're told. He uh, metrically used to be one of the best defenders in the league. He's still crafty and annoying to uh, play against. 17 and a half points this past season, five rebounds, seven assists, 36 and a half from three, 90% from the free throw line. He can certainly lead a team. Um, are you giving up Karis LeVert for Chris Paul, Brian? Not even thinking about, don't even think about the, the, mac, the, the trade machinations, the salary you can consider, but don't think about the trade machinations. Would you go with Karis LeVert for Chris Paul? This is another one of those that's going to seem like sacrilege to a, a wide, maybe majority of NBA noobs, you know, middle of the road normies. Um, but I would say no on this one, Mike. This is a crazy take, I know. But I'm going to go no. I go no two. Because of fit, really. I mean, if Kyrie Irving didn't exist, let's say it was Kevin Durant and Paul George in Brooklyn. Yeah, give, give me Chris Paul. But do you really need... I mean, Chris Paul did the whole thing with James Harden. You actually don't want Chris Paul and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving all sharing the ball. In crunch time, it would be cool if you had those three guys on the floor and you would basically be, basically be unguardable. But there's just it just doesn't it doesn't fully make sense. But Chris Paul's a guy you could have. Like I think of the Nets, it would basically be like you have to really actually offer Lavert, Dinwiddie, and Torian Prince just to get to the salary figure it would take to get Chris Paul. And that's almost too much. Like you need you would need the Thunder to attach a pick. And the Thunder Thunder aren't giving up first round picks to get Spencer Dinwiddie and Torian Prince and, you know, blah, 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 blah. So for trade machination reasons, but also like it's just, um, again, like if we have the one chance to trade our most valuable asset, the guy that we really don't want to, I mean, gun to our head, fine, we'll do it. It's such a great, such a great deal. Can't say no. You don't. Yeah. You know what the Nets want is let's say the Nets win two championships in two years and Chris Paul's contract is finally done. You want. Then 37-year-old Chris Paul at the veteran minimum playing 12 minutes a game as Kyrie's backup and then signing a media deal with Bleacher Report to do a cooking series alongside Serge Ibaka, who would have signed with the Nets also for a minimum deal because everyone wants to be in Brooklyn. So it's a no, right? It's a no, yeah. Is it a firm no? For me, it is kind of a firm no. Uh, This next player, back-to-back MVP? Um, an absolute freak. Ooh, if you get what I'm saying, sounds scary. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Now we don't think Giannis is available. He did have a three-hour lunch with oh. owner Mark Lazary. That actually makes me more thinking that he could leave. Why? Why does it take three hours to say I want to stay? You know, doesn't how? What is the longest lunch you ever had? Um, gosh, I'm trying to think. No, no, Thanksgiving that. doesn't count, right? Like. <laughs> Thanksgiving lunch is a, that's a thing for you. Do a big lunch. Um, I don't know. It's definitely not been three hours, Mike. I'll tell you right now. I don't stick around. I would love to have a three hour lunch. That's a, yeah. It's like a, that's I like, would, that's very European seeming. Wish I could. Yeah. Could be because he's Greek. Um, yeah. Honest is yes. Do we need to discuss this? I mean, we do need to discuss more about what was said at that lunch. Do you have any indications that that was a positive lunch? It sounds like it, I mean, a three-hour lunch to me says fighting. There was it's like you know the Real Housewives have three-hour long lunches, you know, because they're like no. throwing pina grigia at each other. We're, we're told that Giannis uh, just wanted to get the 
the franchise to reaffirm that they will spend money to get better players. That they're committed to winning a championship, <laughs> and then and the for, owner for did three that. hours is like, "You sure? You promise? You swear you're going to do it?" <laughs> so over and over again for three hours. That's one of my things. Yeah. Is it's like, do you need three hours to accomplish that? Like, do we, it's just kind of silly. Well, either that or they made the mistake and did it like a three hour presentation. Meanwhile, he's like, oh my God. He's like, like, (laughs) guys, I just, just need to know if you're like, you guys screwed up. You didn't sign Malcolm Brogdon when you should have just, just tell me you're going to spend money or we're going to make a big trade. Chairs at Chipotle are making my butt fall asleep, guys. We've got (laughs) to get out of here. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. What restaurant is the worst to do a three hour lunch in? Uh, McDonald's. It, uh, near Delancey. There's, there's <laughs> that famous McDonald's that Jesus and Mero talk I, about. I was going to say, if there's one with a play place, then that that could not, that could be a good, an okay place. Um, McDonald's, is not, I think their CEO said play places are going to be gone because of COVID. Have you ever like, been, pl- have we talked about the Buffalo Wild Wings on Flatbush? Yeah. It's like the rowdiest place on earth. I love the, the energy in there. The vibe is unbelievable. <laughs> it's been three hours there. 100%. Um, how much do you give up for Giannis? Uh, yeah, everyone not named Kevin... Durant, I mean, and I, how, how many draft picks? That's really the <laughs> yeah. Give a four. You, yeah, you mortgage, give a you, you mortgage the future. Picks. You do it. You do the whole mortgage. You refinance. I hate to say it, you do. I mean, like if you're in the business of winning championships, and they only come around so often, and something like that's on the table. Then you know, heck, you do it. I do think the Nets. I mean, the problem with that offer to the Bucks is that, like, of course, then they blow up the team. So then, like, Chris Middleton's getting going somewhere and. Maybe Brooke Lopez is part of the trade, too. Maybe he's coming back to Brooklyn. How great would that be? So Giannis is a yes. Definitely. I'm pretty no pissed need. off that we didn't, like, that Nets fans, that he that they did Splash Mountain, like, after he left Brooklyn, that he be, kind of became Splash Mountain. It was, but that was the time in their career when they could both emotionally handle being Splash Mountain. Right. Where, oh, you mean Brooke, as, Brooke by himself or Brooke with Robin? Brooke by himself. Oh, Brooke by himself. Eh, Kenny Atkinson gets credit for Brooke being... Yeah, but th- I feel like the, the nickname didn't show up until he went to Milwaukee. Maybe because yeah, that- he wasn't splashy. That wasn't. Yeah, that's not right. And he was groundy poundy. Mm. Um, this next player is someone who will be available. We're told he just signed his extension, and already he wants out, and the team does not want him to be there. He's one of the best shooters in the NBA. His name, Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald. Four years left at twenty-three million dollars per year. Four years left. Just signed his contract. Um, you're not trading Karis Levert. I mean, well, you kind of said it maybe earlier. You had a, I, I had him at the very bottom of my maybe spectrum, and was like, "Am I gonna be the guy that's gonna put up any level of defense for a Buddy Heel trade?" And I was like, "Yeah, you know, what? I don't want to. I'm not gonna do it." It's, I mean, the thing about Buddy Heel is, I think you could get Buddy Heald for like Torian Prince in a first round pick. Like, I think you could. You don't have to give up much. Like, you give up a little asset and you get Buddy Heald, right? So you don't need to give Karis LeVert. I will say this. Him on the floor with, with Kyrie and KD and you trying to get him to just mold into the role of pure shooter guy is intriguing, right? Like he's a great shooter and his problems, which is he's not a good ball handler and not a good decision maker. You could take away all of his decisions to make and you could take away the ball to handle and you make him just spot up shoot. That's all you do, and you're going to become an 18-time All-Star by just standing in the corner. So I think that's intriguing, but not Levert. Next one up. He's Australian. His nicknames on Basketball Reference are The Fresh Prince, Peacemaker, Benny, The Yank, Big Ben, 
the Wizard of Oz. He is Benjamin David Simmons. Ben Simmons. Um, just to remind people, Ben Simmons, I think, was third team all NBA this year. He's second team all defense or something. Like he's world-class wing defender. He would give you that element. He could guard one, twos, threes, and fours, probably fives if you really had to. He could definitely guard Daniel Tice. There's no question about that. He was 16 points per game, eight rebounds, eight assists. He refuses to shoot threes. Again, world-class defender. Ben Simmons is a five-year max still. Still. What do you do? So it's interesting, too, because, like, so we were talking about how, like, C.J. McCollum and Bradley Beal kind of tick the obvious offensive, like, shooter box mm-hmm. uh, that, that Karis Lever doesn't have access to. Like, Ben Simmons zags the complete opposite way in ways that, like, Karis Lever can't get to in terms of playmaking and, and defense and all those sort of, like, weird utility things. Um, and he does those things a lot better. It's weird that, like, Karis Lever is kind of a hybrid of, of those two archetypes and Ben Simmons already is itself a strange archetype. Like there's not a whole lot of players that play like Ben Simmons. Um, and that's sort of why Karis Levert is in these conversations and talked about in this way. It's because there's so much there, but it's also such a interesting fit. Um, yeah. and so for me, we've talked about this a lot over the course of the last eight months or so. I do think I would do this, Michael. I do think I would do this. Um, I have talked myself into the how poorly Ben Simmons had been used next to Joel Embiid. I I can be I can be convinced of a lot of underutilization arguments surrounding Ben Simmons, and then especially like we have super elite three point shooting on this team at our at our best levels or, or like for our best players, our most high utility players or usage players. Um, and we don't need to pressure Ben Simmons to do that in the way that Philadelphia did. Like Philadelphia had. You know, they're J.J. Reddick's, like, definitely, like, guys who were, like, wing, three-point shooting elite guys that, you know, they built their, when they were playing their best basketball team was built with a lot of those guys in mind. But, like, our premier players are those guys in this team. We don't have to have, like, that utility player conversation. It's just our best guys who are always going to have the ball are our best three-point shooters. So it doesn't, we don't need, need the Beals and C.J. McCollum's to make this offense work. And we we may not need a Ben Simmons to do it, but I do think that the Ben Simmons, again, if we're talking about whether it answers questions or raises questions, I think it answers more questions than it raises. Yeah, I actually like Ben Simmons' personality from what I've seen. Like, I remember him in that playoff series last year, Nets 76ers, where Jared Dudley was punking Ben Simmons, and Ben Simmons, like, immediately snapped back and was, like, dominated for the next whatever game because they the Nets were sloughing off Simmons and... Dudley talked about it pretty loudly that they knew that they could do that. And then Ben Simmons attacked like crazy. And I love that about him. And I think it's so we talked about before with Sabonis, where the geometry of offense is extremely interesting and unique. If you have a Sabonis with Simmons. Yeah, he doesn't have shooting, but creativity, ball handling, passing. If you had Kyrie controlling the ball on a pick with KD again, or even with Simmons where Simmons is like rolling to the rim and receiving a secondary pass. And then he's passing out to KD who's ISOing on the wing. And you know, like the amount of things you could do with them offensively is so exciting. And Ben Simmons can be the guy who's leading the second unit. After you pull off KD and Kyrie, he's defensively at the end of the games. If you don't want Deandre out there, if it's KD at nominal center and then Ben Simmons as the rangy wing who's weak side blocking and then also guarding ones 
it's just like there's so much you can do with him. I still think he's underappreciated for what he is. And I would definitely do Karis LeVert. Now, I don't think the Sixers would do LeVert straight up for Simmons. So if you do trade considerations, you have to like throw in a pick, probably throw in Spencer Dinwiddie. And maybe like if you're the Sixers, you say, oh, look what we get. We get Spencer Dinwiddie, a true point guard. We get Karis LeVert, a true wing creator. And they need creators on the team. And then we fit that with Joel Embiid. We use the pick that was originally our pick, 2019, and maybe trade that for someone else or do another trade. Like, you could actually, that trade, the Simmons to Nets, Nets giving up a couple of assets, that fits. Like, that actually works in the reality. But from what we understand, the 76ers are not deciding to trade Simmons right now. Like, they're 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 going to give their next coach the chance to coach him up. Yeah, I'm just also imagining like a one-two punch of give Simmons the ball for to lead the break, and then if the break falls apart, like then you're getting a half-court offense run by maybe the best half-court penetrative dribbler in the history of basketball. Like that one-two punch of pushing and then pulling back out to push again. I feel like that's just got me thinking, Mike. Got me really thinking over here. There, there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. There's just like a lot to to really enjoy. Um, the next player up is Ben Simmons' teammate, Joel Embiid. He has three years left of a max. Uh, Embiid, if you don't know, 23 points, 12 boards, three assists, 33% from three, which he gets credited for being a three good three-point shooter. He's not that good at it. Um, he's fine. He's fine. Uh, he probably shouldn't do it as much as he does. Levert for Joel Embiid. Where are you? I mean, yeah, like, yeah, bleh. But, like, you're giving up probably a lot for that, and I don't know. Like, it's sort of in the Carl Anthony Towns territory where it's just, but also slightly less interesting to me than Carl Anthony Towns. Um, it's interesting, right? But that yeah. is because, so, by this time, this will be the second part of our two-part Levert line pod. In our first part, we talked about Carl Anthony Towns. And Embiid's a better player than Towns. Embiid's a vastly better defensive player than Towns. But in my mind, I'd rather have Towns almost because of the fit, mm-hmm. particularly offensively. Like Towns is a much better shooter. Towns can handle the ball a little bit more. He can pass the ball a little bit more. Um, Embiid doesn't really know what he is offensively fully. He still wants to shoot threes. He should just just try to dominate the post as much as he can. Now, Embiid has never had a good point guard, just yeah. hasn't had one. So if like he had Kyrie Irving... Maybe that unlocks a lot of Embiid, and Embiid probably would respect Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving's opinion, which they would say, big fella, you can shoot threes in the first and second quarters, but the third and fourth quarter, you're kicking butt down below. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I typically never have this you're, sort of... You're going from Swayze to Ghost to Swayze and Roadhouse, <laughs> yeah. okay? You're, you're yeah. the Swayze line. You're oscillating between the two. I'm going Swayze and Dirty Dancing all the time. Ooh. Um no, but I, it is like, this is like a sort of a Charles Barkley-esque take in that, like, I just like, I kind of can't believe that they let Joel Embiid shoot all those threes at that percentage. Like, it's like, what, why, what is, what is that offense that allows for that? That doesn't make sense to me. Well, and going back to the last playoff series against the 76ers and Nets, but like Embiid was hurt, right? And he had a hurt knee, but anytime he had the ball around the three-point line and he stayed there offensively, it was like, thank God. Because even hurt with a hurt knee, he down below just like dominated Jared Allen. And, you know, that was always going to, he would dominate pretty much anyone down below. So the thing about MB, which is extremely interesting, is 
He's an incredible defender. And I think that there is also still in lock potential because he's never had a good point guard. And if he gets put on a team with a really good point guard like Kyrie, you're going to see a different Joel Embiid than just the three-point shooting Joel Embiid. Now, I don't know if Joel's Twitter feed and KD's Twitter feed can coexist in the same universe on the same team. That's a little scary. Um, But let's go back to what you started with. To make this trade is extremely difficult. Like, you'd give up, you'd have to give up more than you'd give up to get Ben Simmons. And it's, it's, I mean, would you gut your team for Joel Embiid? Almost him there. He's a yes for me over the Levert line because I think there's that unlocked potential, but it's just a lot. It's a lot to consider. And you don't know really how it's going to fit. One player who has played next to Kevin Durant, who just ended an extremely disappointing end of the season, someone who the basketballreference.com, I will go la- I'll go nicknames from last to first, Jimbo Slice, El Chapo, and the Beard. The Beard. So just James the, Harden. Just those three, huh? Uh James Harden, he has two years left on his contract, plus one. This is a max contract. If you don't remember, he averaged 34 points per game, seven rebounds, seven and a half assists. He is truly top seven offensive players of all time. I'm sure statistically he's the second best offensive player of all time. Um, Brian, Mm -hmm. would you trade Karis LeVert for James Harden? Um, This sort of falls into the same kind of – it's funny that we're doing Joel Embiid and Harden one after the other because like – it's all for the same reasons. Like, do you in the world where you're gutting your team for this player? Like, I guess you do it. I guess you do do that. Like, because like you said, yes, but it's like a, that's like a, such a weird yes. Right. <laughs> it's like on paper, <laughs> like you do do it. It's not practical. Uh, it doesn't like, it's not jumping off the page for anybody, but like for just the sheer star powerness of it all, like you almost can't bet against it at that point. So like, yeah, fuck it. You do it. Um, it's sort of how I feel. I mean, that's like, that's maybe not like the fullest answer, but like, um, yeah, I mean, well, actually he's like, he's like infinitely more interesting to me than Joel Embiid, I guess, because he just seems so much more, uh, of a sure thing, I guess that's, that's so maybe there's like even more value to be extracted in that trade that I'm uncomfortable with ultimately, but yeah, something like that. Yeah. I think so. My one thing about just James Harden's fit is like, it's, it's tough to think about Harden at, in his current form, with the amount of domination he consumes, the usage rate that he has, a historic usage rate, then fitting in with Kyrie and KD. Though I would imagine if James Harden blessed this trade, he would go in saying, okay, listen, I've tried to do this all by myself. I've done Hero Ball. I'm exhausted by Hero Ball. I want to go somewhere and play with Kevin Durant, which I believe they still have a good relationship, where him and where KD and Russell Westbrook maybe not so much. I want to go somewhere and go back to being part of a team. Yeah, I'm going to get my shots. I'll get my recognition. But I want to be like Dwayne Wade when LeBron came. Like, I'm going to, that's my part of my career. He's 31 years old now. How much longer can he be high usage, bro? I don't know how much longer. He's going to get paid two years plus one player option. Um, He could go from Houston to Brooklyn, which is, you know, Houston's a big market. Brooklyn's a big market. Um. I think that's what's interesting. Of course, you trade Karis LeVert for James Harden. Um, the package, though, that it would take, this is the snag, is I think if James Harden was made available, the amount of teams that would want James Harden would be 
insane because not only is he one of the best offensive players of all time, he's a market himself. He's not a businessman. He's a business man. And um, I think I made that up, right? I was the first person to say that. So I think many, 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 many teams would want him and they would give up a ton to get him. And I don't think the Nets would have, the Nets, they would have to give up everything plus like eight draft picks. I don't know if the Nets would be willing to do it, but yes, he's above the Levert line. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. His numbers are so comical. I'm just looking at them now. It's just ridiculous. I know. And that's the thing. Like if you don't watch him play basketball, you think he's the greatest basketball player of all time. And then you watch him play basketball and you're like, this is impressive. It's amazing. But it's not that much fun to watch. Watching 13 threes a night from one guy is it's a lot. That's a lot of threes. And it's just a lot of standing around. Okay, next up. James Harden's teammate, Russell Westbrook. Russell, Russell Westbrook played with, I don't know if you know this, Brian. He played with Kevin Durant once. They played together on a previous team called the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, Russ, I think Russ was third team All-NBA this year. He at one point was actually the best player, the the cog, the the spokes that was spinning the wheel. I don't know wheels that well. Uh, Russell Westbrook, 27 points, eight rebounds, seven assists. Still a terrible three-point shooter, 26% from three. Yeesh. Um, he has two years max plus a player option. I'm going to come out and say I do not, do not trade Russell Westbrook for Karis LeVert. If it was a straight-up deal at contracts matched, I just wouldn't do it. I personality-wise with KD and Russell, I wouldn't want to bring that into the picture again. He, I think I think he's incapable of being part of a team fully. He has to be the team. He obviously was able to play next to James Harden, but I think it would be too big of an ask to fit him in with Kyrie and KD. I just think like the like having watched that series relatively closely and like the the balls that he has to just like be like, I'm the only guy that's shooting bank shot, mid-range shots, like, you know, one out of every five times down, down the court. Like, that's me. That's who I am. And like, that's, you know, the whole system needs to be rethought because this is what's going to happen is like bonkers. That's an insane thing. Um, and disqualifying, <laughs> kind of disqualifying on its face. Like I, I, um, I have grown to sort of just been like, so kind of like I, I've, grown past the awe of his just like raw, like Mike Tyson style athleticism um, and into just being like quizzical. Just like, what, like, what is this guy? Like, what is this thing What what that he does? You know, <laughs> it's such an interesting player. I mean, I've enjoyed watching it on other teams and it become more and more sort of like nonsensical. Um, but I wouldn't want to see it up close on my own, on my own team. Like, I, I just think it's like, Russell Westbrook is the guy in the NBA where like other players greatly respect and respect him more than analytics people or the media people. Like if you're doing, you do the entire NBA and you had LeBron do a draft and KD do a draft. I think like Russell Westbrook may be in one of those players starting fives, regardless of personality. If, if Russell and KD still really don't like each other, but this is the fit is so bad. It would be so bad. It would because as much as I want to see Ben Simmons with the Nets, Russell Westbrook is actually kind of like Ben Simmons, uh, except defensively he's not. Um, where Russell Westbrook should go is the Clippers, because in that is what the Clippers needed in that game when they lost to the Nuggets in Game Seven. Like they need like just an insane 
guy who's who doesn't give a shit about anything else but trying to get that bucket or trying to do the you know Russell Westbrook deserves to be credited for like constantly just going at it like Kobe when Kobe really pointed to Russell as like the guy who has that Mamba mentality him and of course Kyrie so it's like Russell deserves credit for that but this team you don't you just don't do it he would be a negative more than a positive yeah and even still on that on that Clippers team that you had mentioned, like he and and in a lot of ways I kind of can can say that Karis LeVert does a fair amount of this too, which is that like sheer like calories burned to like effective basketball ratio, like it's not really always one and the same. Just watching like, you know, players like Nikola Jokic get super far in the playoffs and just kinda of, like be like waltzing about and kind of, you know, dumb trucking it along. Kind of goes to show that, like, the, like I always think of it like calories burned per basket. Like, there's so much calories being burned between Harris Levert and Russell Westbrook, and so few on like some other prominent players that I don't know that it, like the Mamba mentality, if it's about just like sheer effort, is necessarily the thing that leads to sheer dubs, Mike. So I was gonna make a joke that the fewest calories per burn per basket would be Jokic, but that was just that would just be a mean. He's he was chubby and is still kind of chubby joke. Really, no, it's no, Clay it's about flu- it's about fluidity. Oh yeah, that's true. There you go. Clay Thompson has, just doesn't move, and the ball arrives at his hands, and then he hits a shot, and he's amazing. Um, so Russell Westbrook's a no, right? Okay, um, a few more. Last one I had on my list, and then we'll go through some of the listener ones. Pascal Siakam. I'm just going to put him out here. I know that it's unlikely that he would be available. Let's just live in a world where, like, I don't know if anyone wants to go on to Spotrack and check out the Raptors salary cap sheet, but the Raptors could do a teardown in, like, three seconds because all their contracts are are expiring besides Pascal Siakam. Siakam has a five-year max left. Uh, 23 points, seven rebounds, three and a half assists, 36% from three. That's really not his game. He's a driver, physical defense guy who can, you can get you a bucket, but really he was kind of exposed in the playoffs as not being the main source of offense. I would say yes to Pascal Siakam. Um, I don't think it's that controversial. I just think the defensive component's huge. Hustle component is huge. You know, if you put him on this team, he can be floating around the, the perimeter, in terms of defensively and offensively, dunker spot, all that crap. You could play him at the five, actually, or, you know, KD at the five and him at the four in crunch time. They'd be a really compelling lineup. Yes, I would say Pascal Siakam's a yes. Yeah, I agree. I mean, again, not, you know, far-fetched as, as he is and some of these others are. Um, yeah, it's also, like, another thing where this is sort of like my me putting on my, my Carl Jung, Sigmund Floyd, Pat, which is like he seems like a guy who doesn't take up a whole lot of space uh, in the like ego of the team or whatever. So um, for all those reasons and that, I would say like, yeah, but again, how likely? Hey, I'm Taz Mellis of No Dunks on the Athletic. Do you want to walk into a room with your chest puffed out, your neck long, and your shoulders broad? Of course you do. For me, getting clothes that fit properly can give me the confidence I need to do just that. Indochino hooked me up with the gear that fits perfectly. I dreaded getting dressed for my Zoom meetings, but now I change for each one with a big smile on my face. I did a virtual fitting on Indochino's slick website for them to get my measurements. I didn't have to talk to a single human. There are so many options. Here are a few I chose. A long shirt, 
because I tuck it in. I got a no dunks monogram and I decided against the shirt pocket. I sincerely did not think that custom fit clothing was this affordable and all customizations are included in the cost. The website keeps your measurements on file so you never have to re-enter them. The best part, Indochino suits start at just $2.99 with all customizations included. Indochino is a no-brainer if you're getting married. Visit one of the Indochino showrooms across North America. Or book a virtual appointment like I did and shop online at Indochino.com. And right now, you'll get $30 off any purchase of $3.99 or more when you enter code TAS. Not ass, TAS, T-A-S, at checkout. That's Indochino.com, promo code TAS. Um, this one, this is not likely, but we should put him on here. Yeah, this was a uh, listener suggested. His names on basketball reference are Cash Money, WD40, and Baby Joe Johnson. Yeah, baby Joe, baby Johnson. Joe Johnson. I hadn't seen that one. That's a great one. I wonder what the worst baby someone is. Yeah. Like we used to have Baby Shaq. A lot of Baby right? Shaq. Uh, baby Scalabrini, maybe. There's a Baby Scalabrini out there. Um, Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton, 21 points. Six rebounds, four assists, 41.5% from three, 91.6% from the free throw line. Elite shooter, 6'7", 220 pounds of bucket-getting mm. basketball player. Wow. <laughs> A second-round pick from your Detroit Pistons. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, right? Yeah. Chris yeah. Middleton. I mean, he, he falls into that archetype of the Bradley Beal at all kind of crew of just, you know, <clears throat> good enough shooting that it outweighs everything else. I, I mean, he's, yeah. he's pretty much like the, the actual ideal. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. He, he's played with a primary ball handler, like Giannis elite shooter can get his own bucket if need be. Um, but he's not available. Like nah. it, if you're the bucks and you need to do something, the thing you do is you just give up every draft pick under the sun to get right more someone else. Um, let's do one last player here. And this is a guy who is available. And I'm about to put his image into our beautiful Google Doc, oh, which wow. we've been following along on. DeMar DeRozan, Brian. DeMar DeRozan's available to be had. Um, I actually think he's a free agent if he wants to be. So the Nets don't even really have to go with Karis LeVert. But let's live in the world where they do. DeRozan is 22, 5 and 5. Mm-hmm. Can't shoot threes. But Didn't an he elite try to bucket getter. Wasn't he doing a little bit of it at one point? Let's see. No, he shot 26%. From, I mean, I think he's he's trying more. No, he's not even trying no, more it was, anymore. It was like the, his last... Yeah, here it is. His last year in Toronto, he was like shooting four, almost four a game, which he had not come anywhere close to. Um, which isn't that many. No, it's not. And then he's down to a half of three... He, he shoots a three-pointer once every other game. Right. Which is insane. And he makes, he makes them at a very low clip. Yeah. Um, but he... He did shoot 53% from the field this year, which is a pretty tasty number. He would occupy a different point on the floor. I do think the Nets are going to be very mid-rangey, even though Steve Nash is from the seven seconds or less Suns. I think he's going to be very much about flow of offense, where you can get your shot that makes sense, do it. Don't take bad shots, but let's you know, hit the, hit the I bucket. Think people forget how mid-rangey Steve Nash himself was. Not that like just because of that, that makes like a future offense 15 years later, <laughs> mid-rangey by necessity, but um, he's a man who identifies with the mid-range, I know. If you if I, if I, if you could just trade Karis LeVert for DeMar DeRozan, would you do it? No, I don't think I would. 
Yeah, I don't think I would either. I mean, like, what's the point? Yeah. Like, what are you gonna what are you gonna achieve by doing that? You know, you're you're basically Demar is a better player now, but he actually fits less. Mm-hmm. Like Levert has a little more of a distance game than Demar. Dur- we would be uh, terrified if Levert couldn't sh- could shoot from outside like the way Demar Derozan did. Like that would be we would immediately want to trade Karis Levert. Yeah. So you do not want Demar Derozan. Okay. This was. Wow. The two-part episode of the Levert list. We did it. Let's just review it real quickly. Brian has his breakdown here. Brian, who are your yeses, who are your maybes, <laughs> and who are your noes? Um, so the line here, and like again, we're, some of these were unrealistically superstar-ish and all that stuff. And my yeses were Sabonis, Carl Anthony Towns, Giannis, Ben Simmons, and to a lesser extent, Joel Embiid and James Harden. The maybe oh and also I guess Bradley Beal was in there too I think I think I elevated him spontaneously to the to the yes crew um, in the maybe crew we had Drew Holiday CJ McCollum Victor Oladipo and probably not Zach Levine I'm gonna demote him again to to no and then in the no just a huge crew of Levine Buddy Hield Aaron Gordon Draymond Green Gobert Kevin Love the lowly Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook. So the maybes, again, is Drew Holiday, McCollum, and Oladipo. McCollum, unlikely to be available. But Drew Holiday and Victor Oladipo probably are both there to be had. So so for me, the Oladipo thing was that was like the midseason caveat. Like, I, I need to yeah. see more, you know. Um, so that's kind of like, that's like no for now, but maybe later kind of thing. Yeah. So I think Drew Holiday. I think Drew Holiday is the Levert line. It is. It's right there. I And... It's interesting because he is very available. And again, credit Scoop B. Robinson that there's discussions between the Nets and Pelicans reportedly from him. But he does not mention Levert as being in the trade discussions, which would, is also very intriguing. Um, true holiday is that. It's, it's, if Karis Levert was a little better of a three-point shooter, he would probably be Drew Holiday. Um. Drew Holiday's a better defender right now, but I think Karis LeVert has potential to be very good. Uh, it's it's uh, it's interesting. I think the thing we got wrong the most, if we're just looking at the list and the names on the list, our yeses are Harden, MVP, Embiid, Defensive Player of the Year candidate every year, Ben <laughs> yeah. Simmons, Defensive Player of the Year candidate, Giannis MVP and Defensive Player of the Year, Cat, one of the greatest right. offensive centers of all time, Bradley Beal, who's an ascended offensive player, and then Demonis Sabonis. Yeah. And I think Sabonis, we should probably put in the maybe. Well, and that's, I think that's really right where it is. It's sandwiched somewhere in the Sabonis, Drew Holiday. And again, Sabonis isn't even really realistically on the trade block in a, in a meaningful way. So it's like a, I mean, maybe that's not true. I don't know. I have no idea. He is. I think he, I mean, I think the, I think the Pacers are going to do something. You think so? With I think they're going to do something. I think they need to figure out that Miles Turner Sabonis thing. I don't want my, Miles Turner is not it. Now, but I think if I'm the Pacers and I'm trying to shake things up, I I look at let's I have to check in with Oladipo and who do you like more? And maybe he just likes Miles Turner more. Miles Turner more. Who knows? So that that's the thing. Um, um, I will say we need to stop thinking of of Karis Levert as a non-contributor on the three-point percentage territory because like he shot a respectable thirty-six and you know almost two per game is you know in there and that like hey I shoot threes class of dude. But you pointed out before even Zach Lowe pointed out that Karras is best at pull-up threes, not at catch-and-shoot threes, and he's going to have to be good at catching and shooting on this team. I 
so my grand conclusion but after it, our sorry, but the harder thing is the pull up. So like it seems to think like you could just 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 do that, except you're already you've stopped dribbling. Just try well, to imagine it that way, Karis. Do you want to know my theory on this? Yeah, please. Is that he's been practicing? He only practices pull up threes, and he's he had not been practicing someone feeding him the ball and shooting a three because his whole his whole game is oriented around controlling the ball, getting into an offense. So my theory is that he hasn't really practiced spot up shooting all that much at all in his career. Maybe this offseason that will change. And if he does, and if he shoots 35% overall, then we're happy. Right? I think we're happy. Because you can't like completely leave him empty if he's 35% for three. Grand conclusion time, Brian. One, I think it's extremely unlikely that they trade Karis Levert this offseason. If they do trade him, it would probably be at the deadline. And the thing that would motivate them to do it, if they suddenly really do realize, if Steve Nash with his, his Einstein-level basketball intellect and Sean Marks with his Jonas Salk, uh, I'm trying to think of another smart person, but not as smart as uh, Albert Einstein. Basketball <laughs> intellect. Jonas Salk is where I went. Yep. Don't know why. Um, if they determine this doesn't fit, Levert won't fit. It's impossible for him to fit with KD and Kyrie. He's a great person, a great player, talented in his own right, but he just doesn't fit. Then they trade him at deadline. I don't, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to like Karis Levert on this roster. And what they're going to do is they're going to try to figure out a way to upgrade it via other players or pet draft picks and not through trading Karis Levert. I think Levert, because of his salary is good, close with KD, because he does have a higher ceiling than a lot of the guys you could trade for, I think they stay. Maybe there's a deal at the deadline. Unless if and then, unless if Giannis says, I want to get traded to Brooklyn, then, then he gets traded. Did you hear that there's somebody blaring all along the watchtower? That was that was what was ooh, just a... That's a Zack Snyder callback, yeah. by the way. Because he well, had that in Watchmen, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah, he he picks really weird mu- uh, music like that. Like he that's he like he doesn't weird. have that. Yeah, I don't what know. a weird song! Wow, all along the watch. <laughs> it's weird if it's in the movie. Yeah, I don't no, know. I get, I get. I'm crashing here, Brian. No, You're I can feel it. I am too. One, I'm, hour one hundred thirty-five. I, I fell whatever it is. I we I fell into your into your crash zone. I think I'm getting. I'm in the vortex. Uh. I'm in the eye of the storm. Mike, I'll take us out of here. I got this. I can be the guy <laughs> at BK. <laughs> yes, you got it. At BK Glue Guys on Twitter, five stars. We want them because we need them. You know, it's a it's a thing. It's driven by necessity. It's like wanting water when you're dying in a desert. We want it because we need it. And then we were we are affiliated with the Athletic with Nets Daily. If you want to be an athletic partner, you do that by going to what, Mike? What do we do? Theathletic.com/slash Glue Guys. Yeah. And then you enter, you enter all that good stuff in. Mike, you were terrific. This was one of our greatest pods ever. <laughs> yeah, you really knocked it out of the park. And hey, if you're still listening at this point, love you a lot. Um, holler at your boy. We'll see you next time. Brian out. Mike, goodbye.